atonement, repentance, forgiveness, reconciliation. Those are some of the big religious words that mark Yom Kippur, the holiest day of the year in the Jewish calendar that begins at sundown this evening. And I have to say those words have more resonance than usual for me this year, this year of so much, of one thing after another. I don't know about you, but I've found the word apocalypse passing my lips more the past few weeks than ever before. The pandemic, the daily reality of the number of cases and number of deaths from COVID, the economic fallout from the pandemic, all the tents around our city of people who are now houseless, most of all downtown right here around our church, our broken political system, rampant corruption, including the response to the pandemic, the killing of George Floyd, followed by day after day of protests for black lives and for police accountability. Most recently, the decision of the grand jury in Louisville, Kentucky to not pursue charges in the Breonna Taylor killing. And then came the wildfires and the smoke and the impact of global warming once again being so very much in before us. And then last weekend, the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and with it fears about what rights we might lose with a new conservative majority on the Supreme Court. Oh, and did I mention the Proud Boys rally in our city yesterday? Truly, I can't remember a year like this in my lifetime. I've been asking myself just what is next, and maybe you have as well. The New York Times columnist Frank Bruni asked yesterday, and who the hell are we anymore? Who the hell are we anymore? Yes, who we are, where are we going at this moment in history? It all feels like so much, and with it comes fear and uncertainty. With it comes anger and sadness and loss, and all too often a sense of helplessness. Just what all does this mean? It can feel as if there's some kind of reckoning that's taking place, that something somehow is coming to a head. And in the midst of it all, there are also at times those little glimmers of hope in the midst of it all. Is this pointing towards some larger change, some larger groundswell? Or is this just some early stage of something much worse that's coming? And underneath all of that is the question of our responsibility, our call, how is it that we are to live in these times? No, these are perilous times indeed, and any sense of complacency that I've had as a person of privilege has been shaken entirely these last months, and that maybe isn't altogether a bad thing. It may be that that's why those words like atonement and repentance and forgiveness seem to have such resonance in these days. On Yom Kippur, we're asked to come face to face with our God, to take stock and to make amends. We're asked to get real about where we are. We're asked to take a look at our own actions or lack of actions, and then to own those and write the course, to take responsibility 
to change. And just like this year has been a year unlike any other, it seems that the call of Yom Kippur is all the more important than it has ever been before. Now, as someone who has not come out of the Jewish tradition, I've come to have a great respect for this season, for this time. That's because I've come to see just how hard change can actually be. That's certainly true in my own life and I think true in our greater life together. Truth is, it's so easy to get stuck in our patterns, in the ways that are familiar. Truth is that especially for those of us who live in relative comfort and privilege around us, we carry on with, and it, with all of that comfort and that privilege. Those patterns of comfort and privilege can make us pretty oblivious to the needs of others, to the struggles, to the lives of others. Sometimes it's easy for what is the norm to become just that, the norm. We get stuck in how things are, and we get stuck in our, in our imagination of how the world might be. We get stuck and maybe lose our hope for what may be different. And maybe it's because of all of that that's been happening of late that this moment in history does feel different. The pandemic shut things down, but maybe also offered us a pause. And maybe in that pause, we've been able to see things with a little more perspective. Maybe some of us have been shaken out of that sense of complacency. Maybe with so much under threat, maybe we've been reminded just how precious and just how fragile life can be. And maybe also to be more clear about all the ways that some things in our society just aren't right at all. That might be in our relationships that have not been right for a long time in our personal lives. That might be true in some of the larger systems in our culture that have not allowed any number of people to experience their full humanity. It's maybe been a time to note some of the things that we take for granted and that we really can't take for granted. Over time, it's easy to come to see the world and our individual lives in certain ways, and maybe those ways can blind us to the need for change. Making a turn when it comes to some of the core messages we have about ourselves and the way the world is, and changing those message, messages, rewriting those scripts, that can take a lot of time and intention and will. Maybe some storylines have to be rewritten more than once, more because, until we're able to see ourselves as part of much of some much better new story. So much of what is going on in our world right now is a call to look at our own lives, but also what's happening in our country and in our world and how we're part of that larger whole. I so appreciated the voices of some of our justice makers on the front lines. Whether we're out there protesting or not, they are part of our community. We are all in this together. Some questions we might ask, are we in right relationship not only with ourselves but with others? Part of the spiritual journey is to is the call to look at our lives 
and our individual roles, but also called to look at how we are all part of much larger systems, some of those systems that don't work at all. And when we talk about systems of oppression, that word systems is important. It's one thing for individuals to change, but, are we, but we are all part of systems, and systems have a way of moving towards and maintaining stasis. It's pretty clear that plenty of individuals have felt the call to change in these last months, particularly when it comes to Black Lives Mattering. But is it individuals, but individuals together can only do so much, and how is it that we make change in those larger systems? Now, I'm talking here in particular to those of us who identify as white. In the last few years, and in the last few months especially, in the witness for black lives and in the witness for police accountability, we've been offered an invitation to be newly woke, to be newly aware. What is the responsibility we bear for the collective sins of racism around us? What is the responsibility we each need to name, to own, those benefits of the privilege we've known, even if we've been maybe unaware to a large extent of that privilege? I know it's easy to chafe at the notion of being called racist, of being complicit in this system that we did not create, but from which we have benefited. It asks us, I think, to acknowledge our role, whether it's been chosen or not, but that naming, however uncomfortable it may be, is so important. And it might be, I hope, the beginning of our own examination. Truth, of us, truth is that most of us may not have chosen it, but it's not, but, and we may not like it, but it is something that's come to us and with it a number of privileges. But the other side of that privilege comes responsibility and accountability. The other side of that privilege is a call to change course. And it starts in that naming. It asks us how we are asked to live differently, how we see the world and who it is, who is the we that we talk about. How is it that we open our view? How is it that we let go of our blinders? How is it that we make a shift from so much of the focus being on us as individuals to a new sense of we and how that affects each of us and how it affects all of us. One of the things about privilege is that when things get uncomfortable, we can retreat back to that place of comfort. But you see, until we can recognize not only the privilege, but also how it is hurt when anyone, how all of us are hurt, when any one of us is hurt. All of us are harmed when the people die at the hands of police. All of us are cut off from the fullness of life when any of us are denied that fullness of life. The call of Yom Kippur is a call to step back and to take stock. It's a call to get our individual and collective houses in order. It's a call to recognize when we, that we, when, until we are all free, none of us can really be free. That is, we would have others do to us. We would, we should be doing the same for others. 
It's a call to look at those places where we have work to do. It's a call to look at those places where we struggle, to look at those places where we don't live up to our own ideals, to look at those places that can hold us back again and again as individuals, as communities. When we break down the word atonement, you get at one moment when we make space to be at one with our God. Now, we may define that word in different ways, but it's with our truest selves, with our source of being. How is it that we are one with that source, with our creator? How is it we come face to face with our fears, with all that is unjust, with all the ways that we've hurt others, and all the ways that we've been hurt too, and to look to how it is we use our power, our agency in the world. I want to see hope in these times in all this tumult that somewhere in all of this there is opportunity. We have before us, I want to believe, some possibility of real change and to recognize the hope not only for us as individuals, but to see how hope lives if we can see our struggles in some part, in, in part as part of some much larger struggle for justice. Yesterday here at the church, we had a workshop on what is called the eighth principle in our faith. Over 80 people attended. It was a call for our congregations and our larger association to become intentionally anti-racist and intentionally multicultural. It's a call to make a shift from seeing ourselves first and foremost grounded in individualism to seeing ourselves as part of a community where many communities are welcome. It's a call for us together to seek spiritual wholeness. Perhaps extraordinary times ask extraordinary things of all of us. Maybe this time of atonement, this time of being at one with all that we hold sacred, maybe in all of that lies some possibility as well. Perhaps it's in times of tumult when we're asked to be courageous. It takes courage to call ourselves beyond the hurts of others that others may bring us, to take responsibility for the ways that we have let others down, for the ways maybe we have let ourselves down. It takes courage to know our truths and to live those truths. And it takes courage to know that we will inevitably let ourselves and others down, that none of us is perfect, and that part of what community offers is the knowing that there is this place to bring our whole selves, warts and all. It begins, I think, with being willing to look with an open heart about where we are and where we want to be. Martin Luther King said, forgiveness is not just some occasional act, but that it's a permanent attitude. It's a way of being in the world that we have to cultivate over and over again, day by day by day. It can be easy in these times to feel lost, 
to feel alone. It's easy to feel off-center because there's so much right now that would call us away from our center, from our source. What are the questions we should be asking? Where are those places of discomfort and, that we, and discomfort that we need to pay attention to? Where is it that we need to make change? And where are our fears? With whom are we in solidarity? And who is in solidarity with us? We're asked over and over again to take the stuff of our lives and to make meaning, to make new life. These days our hurting world has a way of offering us so many opportunities to learn and to grow. But sometimes it feels like there's so much hurt that we don't know where it is we can begin. And maybe it starts with just recognizing our own brokenness and our own capacity for healing as well. I was struck by a little story in the Washington Post yesterday. Writer Mark Saverin told the story of his five-year-old daughter, Naomi, who had lots of questions about the world and her role in it. To get answers, she sent questions to a number of famous people, including the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. This is her letter to the justice. Dear Justice Ginsburg, my grandmother has, an, has the name Ruth too. I call her Ruru. You, you are like King Solomon. You both decide stuff. He was the smartest king. One woman stole another woman's baby. King Solomon knew whose baby it was. Are you in charge of all the people in the United States of America? Have you ever made a mistake? Love, five-year-old Naomi. And this is Ginsburg's reply. Dear Naomi, thank you for your wonderful letter. Thinking about you, your words, and your drawing have made have been, I have been smiling all day. I have two grandchildren. My grandson is named Paul and my granddaughter is Clara. Paul is 10 and Clara is six. They call me Bubby. In answer to your questions, no, I am not in charge of all the people in the United States, but I work hard to do my judging job well. And yes, I have made mistakes but I try to learn from them so that I will make the same, so that I will not make the same mistake twice. Keep up the good work you are doing in school. Every good wish to you, your parents, and your grandmother, Ruru. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Perhaps that exchange from over 20 years ago spoke to me because amid all the tumult of these times, amid so much rancor, that sometimes we need to get back to the basics. Perhaps before we do anything else, we have to recognize what we might have in common with someone else of our shared humanity. And then we have to be reminded to do our jobs, to take responsibility for what is ours to take. And finally, to see where there are bridges, to see how the lives of others intersect with our own lives. The changing season is a time to be reminded of all, that all life does flow together, that as the trees turn, as these days get cooler, as the light gets shorter, 
it's all part of some larger order of things and that they are all connected together and we are connected with all of that life that out of the brokenness of our lives comes new meaning that with the fall and winter that out of that eventually comes spring we're reminded of the ways yes that we fall short but also of the way that we have an invitation over and over again to make a new start my hope right now it's that extraordinary times might actually call forth extraordinary things from each of us that that may happen in big ways and maybe too in much more subtle ways that it might be a time when we know courage that it might be a time when we find hope that it might be when we once again are called to commit ourselves to love so be it and amen <laughs>